This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. A lot of factors go into these decisions every time, and uh, Paul knows that, and Paul knows that we've talked all along about his openness and willingness to engage with us on a number of different topics. When we made this decision, I can tell you this wasn't just about wins and losses. You know, right now at this moment, it was about where our club is for the for the present and the future. Um, and I, I've said that to Paul this morning. I'll, I'll say it again. This wasn't about our record this year. This is about what we think is best as we continue to grow a young team in the direction toward being uh, a championship contender. It's a full line change, Phil, because you're in now. <laughs> Declan <laughs> for Manny. Declan it's with, a Mackie and Judd. Declan with all the hockey gear in his closet. Oh, yeah. yep. Way to go, Declan. It's a full Mackie and Judd line shift change. Yeah. Are you are you wearing wild gear to support the most Buzz Killington entry into a wild season in the last seven years? Someone has to support them. With the cynical over here, I got to have some type of positive vibe to send out to the wild. Louis Louis <laughs> Nanny just came on and said they're a borderline playoff team, and he's not positive yeah. they will make it, which is entirely fair. No, like every team in the NHL is a borderline playoff team, except for like the Coyotes. Is it fair, like that? Well, the Jets how, and Predators are going to make it. How many teams in the NHL aren't a borderline playoff team? Mm, off the top of my head, probably about five. Vancouver's yeah, that's my yeah, boy. Yeah, like five. <laughs> so, like five. There's 25 borderline playoff But it's teams. not cynical. It's not, it's not a cynic's view of this team. It's the fact that there is, unless, unless you've got season tickets, there's no excitement. Like this is yeah. since Suter and Parisi arrived. So the year before, this reminds me of the year before they got here. It's not that people hate the team; it's just that it's like okay, season starts. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, I, and I'm never super jazzed up about the beginning of hockey season. I get into the end of. I'm such a hockey front runner. Like wake me in April, and even with the Wild the last couple of years, like whatever, just wake me in April. You know, we, we care more about the goal song right now than the product on the ice. Oh so, yeah, they're you know, changing it again. That's already a thing. Oh, we're, Prince we're is out. Of Prince, Prince yeah, is out. out. What are we? We're not into Ode to Joy, are we? Because royalties <laughs> no, should be coming no, to this show. We are. Our two. Our two options that we gave to season ticket holders are to go back to the Joe Santorini Satari Why? guitar crowd song, chant. Crowd, crowd chant. chant. Yeah. And then there was another one that I add that uh, Russo attached to his column at the Athletic that I listened to, and I have no idea what the song is. <laughs> Yeah, Here's the problem. That's the, Ode to Joy would be amazing. I think the Prince song, they, they always felt forced to go to it, and they didn't really like going to it. And no one knew the words. Minnesotans, and if you put them off rhythm, it's just a mess. And that's exactly what happens when, well, it, goes, crouch, when it goes on. Crouch chant, though, is a guitar instrumental Right, it's deal. so easy for them. All they have to do is echoing an electric oh. guitar. Oh. A, lot of music, <laughs> a lot of musical talent from the team oh. of 19,000 right there. 
A lot of musical talent. And you can just kind of slide up and down the scale. Oh. I just... Oh, 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 oh. Honest to God, couldn't we have found a better song? Right. If we go back to crowd chant, you know what? It's fine. It's whatever. Imagine imagine 18,000 people doing this a cappella. They cut the music, and it's just like... You got some altos over still here, the, some tenors is, over there. A conductor is that somewhere on the lower bowl directing people? Yeah, I think whoever scores the goal would be the one that of just all, conducts from the ice. Of all the harebrained ideas in in the four years or so, so of this show, that's the best one. Oh, like, to joy! Is like the, we you know. like we've had some really stupid ideas, which I embrace, but they're stupid. Mm-hmm. That one's a great one. It is. Like I, if you broke that out, I think people would be like, "Oh my god, that was genius!" Yeah, I fully stand by Oh to Joy. And don't forget winter in in the in the alumni Blackhawk North Star game outdoors after all a North Star slash wild goal the guy used it and yeah, then said I used it did you did, hear it did he but he he used it because we generated he liked the, our the show. buzz okay yes Just, all right not because coincidence of, no okay nope nope that's pretty cool I've got some twins intel for you Ooh. if you would like it yeah of course. It's not intel as to what they're going to do and who they're going to hire. I don't have any intel on that, but I was doing a little bit of digging, just trying to figure out what were the main reasons why they fired Paul Molitor. And in talking to just a handful of people, and it's hard because I think people are trying to be as respectful as possible, saying, we love Paul, kind of, but here are some things that may have led to this decision. Mm-hmm. And... This coded communication from Derek Falvey and Thad Levine about connecting with the younger players and maybe some, you know, connecting with, they didn't throw out any specifics, but let's face it, connecting with a Miguel Sano or connecting with a Byron Buxton. From what I gather, Molitor might have been a little too hands off as a manager. He was a player's manager and that he wouldn't, he wouldn't get on guys and ride guys. That's, that's not his personality. But maybe he was even too much of a player's manager and maybe too laid back and didn't nip things in the bud that needed to be addressed. So um, habits or just different dynamics in the clubhouse or things that would happen on the field where if you're a player observing things culturally or just, hey, we need we need to make sure that guys aren't carrying their bats to first base or that guys are guys are hustling out over here or this or this or this in situations where like the manager doesn't yeah. have to be super hands on all the time but sometimes you have to course correct and step in and that he wouldn't do that like nearly Miguel as don't often. eat that that might be put one that, thing put that plate down Miguel <laughs> that cream filled donut the ninth one the you've na- had today the nachos are good but they're yeah. not that good exactly okay that makes sense uh and that that's and I'm just like this is just one of a few things that could be the case, and I'm sure the biggest one is they just wanted their own guy. So almost anything you hear outside of that reason, which is they want they wanted their own guy, is reason number one. And then all the other reasons, I don't, I don't, I don't know what they add up to. But that was one thing I heard that that Paul was almost just a little too hands off with certain things, and also that there might have been some disconnect among the coaching staff. That makes which sort of sense. flowed into clubhouse dynamics and players not that it was toxic or that it was boiling over or anything like that but just there were some disconnects and um all of those things add up to you know the reason why they made the change i think it would be uncomfortable and and in paul's job you probably know you're in trouble when you don't hire your bench coach right yeah when your bosses say this Derek Shelton's really good. And, and you might have a say. I mean, you might say, okay, yeah, that sounds good. 
But I think when I think when you get new executives who keep you and then say that that they're going to have a huge hands-on role in, in hiring the, the people that work closest with you, it probably gets to be a little bit yeah. odd. Yeah, and you know, the, it's so much different now. This kind of goes to what Jason Stark was saying on the show this week that you, the rock star manager, the days of the rock star manager, um, are over. And and in addition to that, the strategic nature of managing is sort of puppeteered by the front office, right? Absolutely. No. So if the front office is dictating now, and this isn't just with the Twins, just to be clear, this is with most teams across baseball. The front office is putting together the intel and the strategy for lineup construction and pitcher strategies and platoon splits and all those things. Like those, A lot of that's coming from front office and research departments, whereas 20 years ago it was a manager licking his finger and testing out the wind to see what his gut says, right? That's that gut, was old gut school. feeling, right? Yeah, and um, and so if if you're no longer the chief strategy operator as yeah. a manager, and being a rock star, you know, this is my clubhouse. If that's kind of gone out the window, yep. Then, in what other ways can you impact the team and the clubhouse? Can you can you do other things to get the most out of players? And and it seems like. The, the front office wasn't looking at Paul as a guy who was getting the most out of those other areas where a manager could fill in the gaps that he wasn't getting the most out of those other areas. And think think about this. When you covered this team with Gardy and Terry, I think at that time, if Terry went, went in the clubhouse postgame, you thought something's up, right? Pretty much. They were making a roster move. A roster move or, move or somebody, something was happening. Somebody died, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, can't na- I can't name you a time that I've gone to a Twins game and gone to post-game access since Derek and Thad came into power that I haven't seen them come out of the clubhouse. Hmm. So I think I think the strategy now, and this is just how, how things have changed, not good or bad, I think the strategy used to be huge separation of church and state. Yeah. I give you the roster, you run the roster, I, I make moves with that roster after consultation with you, but that doesn't necessarily take place post-game. And that's how it was, I think, in baseball for a long time. Yeah. And now, and now, if you are the GM or chief executive uh, baseball officer of your team, I think you're very involved day to day with everything that transpires on the field. Mm-hmm. And that did not used to be the case. Yeah, I also want to be clear too in that I don't think it has to be that Paul Molitor was did something wrong or was or was uh, inadequate in some way. I think I think it's mostly. They had a vision for what they wanted with that position two years ago, and they just weren't really. We were talking. I'm, I'm sure you guys got into this when when Chip, you and I were talking just in the prep room down the hallway a couple hours ago. Les, the Leslie Frazier example is a great one. I mean, Leslie Frazier, if he hadn't stumbled into a ten and six record because they went four and zero in December, and Adrian Peterson ran for two thousand yards, it, it, he would have been fired. Leslie Frazier would have been fired in mid January of that year, or whenever Black Friday is, right? But, you know, sometimes it takes a minute. You got to give a guy another year that you didn't. That that That's yes. mostly what happened here with Paul Mahler. And that's why I'm I'm concerned that my guy Bruce is next. Because stand, standing by Bruce tonight on the wild bench will be will be the guy that Fenton hired to coach the Milwaukee minor league team, who Paul Fenton has decided is a good assistant coach. That usually means you're not an assistant coach for a long time. Hmm. And it, it, it's not fair. It's not. You can... Sit here and easily say the admirals. Yes, very good. The Milwaukee. Good job, Phil. Very well. They call it. I've seen the hashtag. Is it Mill Hockey? 
Yeah, it's that's oh. mill hockey. That's too precious for me. <laughs> I don't but, like that either. But it might not be fair, but these guys that get jobs basically say, if I've got one shot and it's going to fail, I'm going to fail with my guy. Correct, because guess what? The leash is short on me, too, in that spot. Correct. If you're the general manager or you're the... No, maybe not with the Twins, because they they don't make changes very often. This is the this will be only the fourth manager they've had since 1986, right? Tom Kelly from 87 until yep. Guardy, and then Guardy into Molitor. Yep. So this will be the fourth manager they've had basically since I was born. That's a frightening, they don't, they that's don't a frightening thought on many levels right yeah. there. Um, Didn't think of it like that. We've got an eye on, I, you know, I think the Brew Crew are my new team now. Same. The Cubs are out, Twins are out, A's are out. Declan, you're in on the Brew Crew? All in on the Brew Crew. I, I lost a bet and I was completely fine with it. I made an opening day bet with my buddy and he said, who, we said, who finishes with more wins, the Cubs or the Brewers? I took the Cubs, thinking that that's pretty logical. And, and you know what? I lost that bet. But I was fine with it. This Milwaukee team super fun. Well, that was a regular season bet. Yeah. So you sweated that during game one sixty three all the way or whatever. Yeah. 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 We uh, we make and a that bu- bet was what twenty bucks. Oh, that's not bad. To no, lose. no, no. We we made a bunch of opening day non twins related bets, and that was one of them. Who fin- Who wins the NL Central? Bet on baseball. Baseball loves yeah. you. You're baseball. young. You're young. You bet on baseball. Rob Manfred's going to send you a thank you letter. Yeah, no score right now. Rockies with one on one out in the top of the first inning. They're playing this game at Miller Park. And uh, Woodruff is the starting pitcher here for the Milwaukee Brewers. We have baseball opener, most Phil. nights. Is he the opener? He's okay. the opener. It's a bullpen day. Okay, so he's the opener. This opener. is a bullpen game. Even I'm a, I'm I'm all in on some of this stuff, but I, I'm good. I, it's hard to wrap your head around some of these new like opener and is it primary? What was the other? That was Paul's term. The primary the, the, pitcher, the, primary the opener pitcher. and the primary pitcher yeah. was a milder uh, term. Uh, but we will be carrying all kinds of playoff baseball here on 1500 ESPN starting tonight. Uh, we'll pick up the uh, the game at seven o'clock, and then all throughout the weekend too. We got our pecking order to get to. Do we still have the Vikings in our top ten? Is the question. Roy Smalley at four thirty, and uh, also Matthew Collar and Tom Pelissero as part of the football hour. Mackie and Judd are back. Please continue on fifteen hundred ESPN. Taking a look at your traffic, I ninety four eastbound. We have a stalled vehicle between the Lowry Hill Tunnel and Groveland Avenue. Also a crash on Minnesota 62 between 121 and the Crosstown. Look out for also a northbound crash on 169 between 394 and Minnesota 55. And last but not least, I-94 westbound. There's a crash between John Ireland John Ireland Boulevard and Fifth Street. Today's traffic is brought to you by the Better Business Bureau. Join Better Business Bureau at the Touch Awards for Ethics. BBB's Touch Award embodies Better Business Bureau's mission of advancing trust in the marketplace. 14 businesses will be honored at U.S. Bank Stadium October 24th. Purchase tickets at bbb.org slash Minnesota. Football fans, dig out the meat and potatoes because it's time for Maggie and Judd's pigskin pecking order. All right. Manny is uh, on his way out to Mendota for a live taping of the Purple Podcast with Matthew Collar, which go go hang out with them from 5 o'clock until 7 o'clock at Lucky's 13 in Mendota. So in the meantime, it'll be you and I doing our weekly pigskin pecking order here, Judd Zolgad. All right. If uh, Declan has thoughts on how terrible these pecking orders are, you're welcome to make fun of us. Let's fire this up. I gave mine a lot of thought, so it's really good. Well, uh, why don't you why don't right. you lead off? All right, I will start with who is out after one week of being in the pecking order. The Miami Dolphins. 
They were sixth last week, and then shockingly, the Patriots crushed them. So I threw them out. See yeah. you later, Dolphins. Yeah. Also, if you recall, my number 10 team last week was not a team at all. It was the roughing the passer rule because I was trying to penalize some bad team from not actually being in my top 10. Well, I actually have 10 real teams, so roughing the passer is also out. I left out the Bengals and Titans. Wow. Both three and one, so it was a little bit difficult, but I left them both out, and it's partially because the Bengals I don't believe in until they actually do it for longer. All right, my number 10 team. Dropping from fifth. That's right, I'm punishing them. They finally deserve it, but they're still in the top 10, and perhaps that's a gift. The Minnesota Vikings at one, two, and one. Mm Mm-hmm. You lose, you give up 38 points, your calling card is defense, sorry, but you're, you're going to drop significantly, and the Vikings did to number 10. So they're still in mine, but they are the last team in mine. Number 9, not ranked last week, the Baltimore Ravens, who improved to 3-1 with a primetime Sunday night victory over the Steelers. They are now outscoring their opponents, and this is what got them in above Cincinnati. 123-65, that's the second most points in the AFC and the 65 points is the second fewest in the conference. So they've been very good so far, Baltimore number 9. Number 8 going up one spot and they did it by not even playing the 2 and 1 Carolina Panthers. Number 7 falling from third, the team the Vikings will face on Sunday at 2 and 2 after an overtime loss to the Titans in which they self-inflicted plenty of wounds, the Philadelphia Eagles. Number 6, they weren't ranked a week ago, but they are now, and they're atop the NFC North, 3-1, and one, after a 48-10 drubbing over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Chicago Bears, who owe the Oakland Raiders everything, because the Chicago Bears, I think, would be improving and would be decent, but you get Khalil Mack, you're really, really good. Yeah. Chicago Bears at number 6. Wow. My top 5. I moved them up from eighth, and I still hate them because of their quarterback, but the quarterback actually had a very good game against the Jets on Sunday, and they're now 3-1, and one, and the defense is good, and Doug Marone might be a psychotic, but they're still a pretty good team. Jacksonville Jaguars at 3-1 and one are number five. Yeah, I mean, if you're... I can't. If the rest of your team is so good that it overcomes your coach and your quarterback... <laughs> I know. Think about that. Think about how silly that ridiculous. sounds. Number four, going up from seventh last week after beating the Giants, a team that was actually, I think, in my top five to start the season, and then I dropped after they lost opening week, but they've improved themselves now, and if their defense comes around, they'll be absolutely fine. Drew Brees and the Saints at 3-1. and one. My top three, number three, going up one spot after a 38-7 crushing of the Miami Dolphins, the New England Patriots, who play tonight. Number two, holding steady after they beat the Broncos, with Patrick Mahomes still being unbelievable. The Chiefs at 4-0. And my number one team for the second consecutive week after they beat the Vikings, the L.A. Rams. So, my top ten, Rams, Chiefs, Patriots, Saints, and Jaguars are one through five. Six through ten, Bears, Eagles, Panthers, Ravens, and Vikings. All right. I also have the Vikings at ten. Down from eight last week. I can't quit them quite yet. But you will if they lose to Philadelphia, because I will. Yeah. They will be nowhere near the top ten if they lose Phil- if they lose to Philadelphia, it's gonna take them at least a month to get back into the top ten. I like it. But it's a tough stretch. They've had some untimely things happen with injuries to Dalvin Cook and Everson Griffin. And I'm just gonna I wanna see what they look like against Philadelphia. Number nine, holding steady after a bye week. Mostly because of their decisive win over Green Bay a couple weeks ago. And steady Alex Smith, the Washington Redskins, I'd uh, like to continue to see more of. But I like their quarterback. And they've always been, the last few years, they've been respectable. 
And I think maybe they take a step up here and uh, have a chance to to win that division, especially with Philadelphia's slow start. So Washington, number nine. I did move the Titans into my top ten at number eight. They're three and one. And if you go and watch the post-game video of that team rallying around Mike Vrabel, you can tell sometimes when teams aren't fully buying into coaches and stuff. I mean, they are all in on Mike Vrabel in that locker room. And that matters in the NFL. So I'm going to put the Titans number eight. I don't think they're a Super Bowl team or anything like that, but they're off to a really good start. Number seven, the Eagles. Again, it's it's going to be once the Eagles and Vikings play, we're going to be able to sort some things out this weekend. Yes. So we'll we'll put the Eagles same place as number me. Number seven. Okay. Number right. six, Jacksonville. If they had a quarterback and a coach, they'd be number one. <laughs> but to be six or anywhere near top five is pretty impressive when you got Blake Bortles and a guy who has no idea when to go for two or when not to. And who hates Matthew Collar, too. Yeah. Well, that could be a credit to him. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a credit. Number five, <laughs> the New England Patriots, who I can't, I, sometimes we overreact to early season Patriots stumbles, and it's been more frequent the last five or six years. I mean, they were two and two out of the gate last year and gave up 30 points a game, and then they shut it down defensively. Um, I don't know. I, I I think I chalk it up to a slow September start, and we'll see the Patriots take hold of the AFC. But they're number five on my list right now. Number four, the New Orleans Saints. Here, here's the thing. Everyone is raving about the Los Angeles Rams offense. Rightfully so. Mm-hmm. You know the Saints have scored three fewer points than the Rams? The they, Ra- their defense was so bad at one point, right? But, but like, Is that their problem? Yeah. Yes, for the first couple games. Yeah. Uh, but the the Rams have scored 140 points, and yep. the Saints have scored 137 points. They basically it's all this innovative Rams offense, and oh, they never go three and out. Well, okay, New Orleans is right there with you too, and I would take the Rams defense over New Orleans. But just worth noting, the Saints offense hasn't gone away. Number three, up from number five last week, I got the Baltimore Ravens. Woo! They look incredible through the first month. Yeah. And I think I believe Eric Weddle when he went up to the podium last week and said, "These ain't the Ravens of old." How from great last was that? Year. His ram, he just yeah. I told rambling you, at the podium. I told you, and, and then he's cushions. like, "You got any questions?" It's like, no, you just answered everything, Eric. Passes out from painkillers. Um, so yeah, I, I, they're they're always solid defensively, but they're scoring thirty points a game, and Joe Flacco has had a resurgence. Is and Joe Flacco back? Hey, it's getting close to contract time again for Joe Flacco, so. He steps it up when he needs to. Number two, Kansas City Chiefs with that offensive attack, and Pat Mahomes is ridiculous and not a fluke. And number one, the Rams. So Rams, Chiefs, Ravens number three, Mm -hmm. Saints four, Patriots five, Jaguars six, Eagles seven, Tennessee Titans, Washington Redskins, and Minnesota Vikings. So if the the Vikings don't win on Sunday, they, they go away from both our top tens for sure. Yep. So, uh, all right. Fair all right. Were we way off there, Declan? No, I think that was pretty dead on. You had, Phil, you had the Vikings at 10. Judd, where'd you have the Vikings? 10. 10 both oh, at yeah. 10. Because yeah. I was even thinking, man, are there really, I thought you were being a little too gracious there, but then even just comparing it to a standard power ranking on ESPN, I mean, like, are they really that better than the Steelers right now or the Chargers or the Falcons? Not real. I mean, they're on the same level to me right now. So I think it's actually pretty respectable to have them at 10. Uh, Bengals and Bears were my first two out. So I'm I'm feeling you on the Bears. The Bears have the, just with Khalil. Actually, you know what? I've got Aaron Rodgers on my list as 
as uh, Aaron Rodgers is ranked 14th on my team ranking list here. Not the Packers, but Aaron Rodgers. I think Khalil Mack should just be on the list by himself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Trubisky threw six touchdowns against that okay. dumpster fire from Tampa. How about that, you know Mitch Trubisky? Okay, did you see the touchdown passes? One was a shovel pass. Another right. one was this a was busted so coverage. This is trolling. At he is fun. not a good quarterback. No, I'm actually with Phil. He is. I, I watching him the last few weeks. Let me look at that. He had zero. He had zero touchdowns. Let me going look at the box score again. Let me look at the box. Yeah, yeah, six touchdowns. With, did he even eclipse 300 yards? Exactly. Yeah, yeah bro. It was you like, even, even throw for 300 yards, yeah, bro. Man. Come on, bro. 300 is where, where you're supposed to <laughs> is be. Is that at? what you're going to say Mitchell? to him in the press conference? Yeah, Mitchell. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. I got a question for you. You ever throw? You even lift? You, you even, even lift, lift bro? Mitchell? Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On fifteen hundred. ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. Yeah. On fifteen hundred ESPN. I want to get into some of this Timberwolf stuff with you. These these Woj tweets from I melted down this morning. I melted down at three fifteen. Actually, we can't talk about this unless we have the official intro. Yeah. Is Jimmy leaving? Can Tibbs let him go? These are the days of our wolves. Yeah. Yeah, this is... My meltdown was such that Sam tweeted me, this is why you are not an NBA GM. (laughs) You're acting more childish than Jimmy right now. Well, here's... I was watching some of that preseason. I totally forgot they were actually playing a preseason game last night while Jimmy works out in the practice facility here. Yeah, and talks to his buddies. Um, but the the tweets from Adrian Wojnarowski from I guess it was late last night. I saw him this morning. But uh, Miami and Minnesota have been consistently engaged in Jimmy Butler talks for several days, with Heat pushing Timberwolves for an answer today on a revised offer. League sources tell ESPN. Minnesota's conversations are relatively sparse elsewhere. Remain focused on Miami. Follow-up from Woj. Sources, barring a trade, Tom Thibodeau is still determined to get Butler back with the team for the start of the season. Butler hasn't made a final decision on when he'll join the team in practice, but he doesn't plan to miss regular season games if his wrist is healthy. While Minnesota-Miami talks on Jim Butler continued... Uh, there is no deal imminent tonight, league sources tell ESPN. So this this seems like Tom Thibodeau is just trying to wait out the storm and get and get so, yeah. essentially get Jimmy Butler to come back and play in week one. Well, there, right? There's a line from a story that Woj then wrote for ESPN.com that says, when the Wolves return from a West Coast preseason road trip early Thursday, President of Basketball Ops Tom Thibodeau is expected to push for Butler to return to practice and start preparations for the regular season, league sources said. Yeah. So you're exactly right. Yeah. So anyways, we'll we'll get back to some of that, but let's uh let's get our friend Roy Smalley on the phone. Roy, what's happening with you this week? <laughs> Just a couple how's, things. How's your life, Roy? <laughs> Do you want to manage Roy? You know, what's happened this week for me is I've had 172 people ask me if I'm not glad I'm not managing. So, uh, and, and and that's been that, the same answer. No, I, yes, I'm glad I'm not managing. It's, um, it's, it's head-scratching, but there you go. Yeah. Well, all right. So, so we've been trying to sort of die. I'm going to throw you my theory as to why Paul Molitor is not the manager anymore. Not that it's fair or not. Well, I think there's number two. I think they wanted their guy. Um, and, and that's, I think, I think that's fine if that's a reason, but Miguel Sano and Byron Buxton 
are the two most important players in this franchise, and those guys have been operating at such a low level for for different reasons. Not that that's even close to 100% the manager's fault, but I feel like they determined that it's not 0% manager's fault, and they want to bring in somebody who can connect with those guys in some sort of way to rejuvenate them. That's my theory. What do you think? Well, yeah, I, I think that has to be the case. Because if you look at everything else that uh, you know that might be the case, um, it doesn't uh, it doesn't hold water for me, uh, right? So um, it has to be that a we just want our guy, which is fine. I mean, they're the heads of the organization; they can uh, they can hire whoever they want, um, and it doesn't have to be merit based. I mean, it doesn't have to be fair. None of those things have to have to occur, right? But if you go around and you say, okay. How could the manager have impacted the team uh, in in a better way than he did? So, and then you just go around and you say, "Well, um, Sano is a no show, and Polanco's a no show, and Dozier's a no show, and Buxton's a no show, and Kepler was, you know, not so much." And then uh, compared to what we, you know, they expect these guys are going to be, and then you know, Lance Lynn was uh, kind of a no show, and Odorizzi was okay, and you say, "Well." And your catcher, uh, your everyday catcher, was gone for the season, and 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 that doesn't even get to Logan Morrison, and you know, on and on and on. So they say, well, how could how could Paul have done a better job with that? And I I don't have an answer. I don't I don't think there's a clear answer that yes, he could have he could have been better. So you you hire the guy that you want, and you say, oh, and you're absolutely right, Phil. If you know Buxton and Sano are so important that uh, you have to figure out some way to get the most out of them. And what was it that the manager got in the way of uh, in that regard? And I've been trying to think about that. And I'm not, I mean, he's not the hitting coach. Uh, hitting was the issue, uh, among other things. But, uh, and so I, I'm, just, I, I'm just left, you know, shrugging my shoulders. So, I mean, I think your point's the right one. They, they have determined they need somebody that can get through to Sano and uh, Buxton. I'm just, I'm just not sure that Paul couldn't, uh, A. Uh, B, I'm not sure that's all the manager's uh, job, given what their deficiencies were. But, you know, there you have it. So let's go down that path, though, because it's very intriguing, because getting through to those two individuals in particular are very different paths to take. Um, how difficult do you think that job is going to be? Because Buxton, you know, Buxton is not, I don't think, it's a question of want to. I, I think he desperately w- wants to, and I think he works very hard, but he just at this point in time, unfortunately, can't hit. Sano is more of want to. So so how do you find that perfect combination of a human being who can step in the clubhouse and raise his hands and get through to two people who are going to be need to reach in very different ways? Well, I'm not sure that that I agree with I agree with you about Buxton. I'm not sure I agree with you about Sano being a want to. I think Sano wants to, in Sano's own way. Um, I think he wants to very badly, um, and I, um, you know, part of the want to, of course, is health and fitness and all that kind of stuff, and that may not be part of his want to, and that may that may shorten his career, or it may. It may um, contribute to him not being as successful as maybe he would otherwise. But 
the deficiency there was, uh, you know, the hitting deficiency didn't depend on whether you weighed 300 or 250. The, the hitting deficiency for me was approach, uh, you know, swing, uh, swing plane and approach. And, uh, you know, I, Paul, I've had many conversations with Paul about both of those guys in terms of swing plane and approach. And, you know, I know you guys don't think for a second that Paul didn't get it. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, I, I don't know what the, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I get the concept. We want a manager that will get through to those two guys. Uh, I just don't know what a manager is going to do about that. I think that's a. I think that that it takes. It's going to take some a different approach at the plate for each of them, and I don't know who does that. Yeah, it's uh, Roy Smalley's with us here, just recapping uh, uh, an interesting week in Twinsland with Paul Molitor out, and the Twins are now searching for a new manager and. I'm wondering what kind of job this is now, because I think we'd all look and say, well, they got a couple nice pieces with that pitching staff and Gibson breaking through and, and Jose Barrios struggled a little bit in the second half. But Barrios, we all believe, is a number one, number two guy next year. And But the lineup is such a question with the guys we're talking about. And Rosario is going to come back, and we think Polanco is going to be in the starting lineup. But beyond that, it's really hard to start pinpointing positions. Do you think a manager is walking into a roster that's going to be rebuilt during the offseason, or do you sense that they might be going into strip-it-down mode a little bit here and and take a deep breath for a couple years? Uh, well, good question. I, I don't know what strip-it-down would, uh, you know, would entail. I, um, again, you know, we've got a lot of we, – we've got a situation where starting with – where a bunch of players have to be good players. Or, uh, or they're or they're already stripped down. Um, in my view, I mean, it's, it starts with Sano and Buxton, and if they're not going to be big studs, uh, uh, you know, pennant contending uh, st- uh, studs, then it's a five-year reset. But it, it lesser importance, but the same kind of idea to me is. If Kepler is a 222 hitter, even though he hit 20 home runs, if he's if he's 222, uh, and and Polanco is not, you know who they, you know, it, it is is ultimately going to be the shortstop or second baseman on a pennant contending team, and um, now they don't have a first baseman potentially, uh, and I, I mean you start going around and you say, well. Uh, you know, I don't know. Rosario really is the only one that that has taken the next step forward, and everybody else is being waited. Up, we're waiting on, and so I, you know, I don't know what the manager is stepping into. I don't think, <laughs> I, I don't think uh, Derek Falvey and Thad Levine know what they have yet, and I think that's why it was difficult for them to do anything but trade. You know, the guys that they that they traded mid season just to say. You know, since we don't know, we better get a whole bunch of young players and hope something sticks. Who are, are you most concerned about, Roy? And and who, who do you think among that young group has the most potential to uh, bounce back and be just fine in 2019? Uh, I, I I'm hopeful that uh, that Max Kepler fig- figures it out next next year um, because I believe he's a I think I believe he's a 280 to 290 with 20 and, and 80 or 85 uh, kind of guy. Um, and and I, I'm hopeful it, he wasn't, 
he wasn't that far off. Uh, I don't believe, and I didn't see anything that that said to me, "Oh my gosh, he just can't figure it out." Because mm-hmm. because there were plenty of times that he that he did. It's a it's an approach, a consistency of approach situation. Um, and I and I'd like to say, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that Jorge Polanco is going to be a fine big league offensive player. And I think he'll continue to improve in the middle infield, whichever one that ends up, whichever place it ends up being. Uh, so I, I think those guys will those guys will bounce back and be and be good major league players. Um, it, it, you know, it, let's see, it, it all depends on Sano and Buxton right now. I, I mean, it's it's everything. It's literally everything. Yeah. Are you? Uh, what do you? What, what are your thoughts on the? The hectic week of game 163s and wild card games, and now we're getting into the uh, division series. Any any rooting interest for you here in the playoffs? I'm rooting for the just rooting for the postseason. I'm so excited about yeah. about this postseason because, uh, uh, and not that there aren't good teams in it every year and good players to watch, but across the board there are such studs playing now uh, on on all the teams that are that are in it, and uh, so you just go team by team. And you can pick out two or three guys that you that you'd say, I can't wait to see those guys in the postseason. And I'm just talking about players, not even mentioning the the, the great the great arms that are that are going to be pitching against these guys. And that's the whole deal. I mean, to, it, to watch um, you know Arenado play uh, you know in the postseason is going to be really fun in Colorado. And and uh, so it, for example, now watching the Brewers. Oh, by the way, Ryan Braun made a huge base running mistake here in the first inning. That, it might have ended up costing them, but anyway, the, <laughs> the, um, the, um, the postseason is just going to be so much fun. And you get now it's Yankees in Boston, and the Yankees look like they they've tuned it up. So, and, and Cleveland, Houston is going to be fantastic. Uh, all of them, are, and I can't wait to see these young Braves guys uh, and Freddie Freeman and Marquez. Yep. You know, I mean, it's just really, really fun. I, I I don't care. I really don't care who wins. I I, I honestly don't. I just I'm just, as you can tell, I'm kind of fired up to watch it all. Roy, of all the things that you've seen in your time here, the Twins do, where does the joke coming out in catching gear in the ninth rank on Sunday? I don't know. Pick, pick top five, three, you know, what two. It was, it it was, was great. Fantastic. It was just uh, absolutely fantastic. And um, it, it, it was... Um, I think it was such it was such a fitting moment and such a in so on so many levels for him and for the fans and for his teammates and and for his family. Uh, I, I just thought it was wonderful. I, I thought the whole thing was orchestrated beautifully, and uh, it was it was uh, touching and perfect. Yeah, and you, I know there's still mystery over what he's going to do here. At least he's trying to he's trying to. But there's no way you can come back after that, right? There's no, you know, here's the way I feel about it, and I and, and I went through um, a, a similar uh, kind of feel, not not in quality of the career, but you know, I played for 13 years, and we won the World Series on my 35th birthday uh, in my 13th year in the big leagues, and and uh, I looked out and said, you know what, I, I I've got a year or two. Uh, but I can see that I can see the light at the end of the tunnel there in terms of it being it being over. And you know, people are saying, "Don't retire; you can still play." And I thought, I I want people to think that. I don't want to make a tour around the league for the, for a year or two, proving to everybody everybody that I was done. 
Uh, I get. I, I had an event happen to me where I could go out after that, and 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 that would be pretty cool. I think Joe's in the same situation in that he probably. What, what does he think he's got? Another year or two? I mean, what's he going to try to eke out of it? Um, and after Sunday, uh, with the the year that he had and the career that he's had. Uh, if he looks out and says, well, I can retire after that with everybody thinking all these warm, fuzzy thoughts that, that everybody's thinking, or I can come back next year and p- play, you know, potentially for not a great team and struggle through that. And, and it won't, it can't ever be the same again. And I know I've only got it. It's, we're talking about another year or two. My advice would be, it's going to be hard when you do it anyway. It's incredibly hard to walk away from it. But you know you got to do it. Just do it now. Yeah. Well, Roy, we've uh, we've enjoyed all the conversations just this year and and throughout the years here, and we'll I'm sure catch up in the off season as the Twins hire a manager and maybe go spend some money in free agency. But thank you for all your insights as always, and we'll do it again sometime here. Thank you, sir. Yeah. For sure. It's been great. Thanks, guys. All right. Roy Smalley, Fox Sports North and World Series champion with the Twins in 1987. Um, that's interesting, too. Like, when you get to the end of your career and you have to start thinking about if you care. I don't know if I would care, but if you care, what do people think of me out there? I mean, do people just well, think I'm pathetic because I'm and a not, shell of myself? Or and what? I, I think Joe is well enough respected and liked in this league that if he comes back, there's a chance he'll start getting, like, rocking chairs and stuff. Yeah. And he does not strike me as a rocking chair guy. <laughs> Was it the broken bat rocking chair they the, gave to Mariana my, Rivera? They're, yeah, they're broken yeah. bats. Uh, football hour coming up here shortly. Matthew Collar, Tom Pelissero. It is Mackie and Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN. What is, what is it you're trying to say? Now, back to Mackie and Judd what? on 1500 ESPN. Quick look at your traffic. Look out for a stalled vehicle on I-494 eastbound between Minnesota 100 and Normandale. Also, there's a crash on I-35W southbound right at Highway US-10. Now back to Mackie and Judd. You know, this isn't time for woe is me. You know, if people remember, uh, we were 2-2 two and two this time last year. We finished 13-3. and three. We were 5-0 and oh the year before, and we finished 8-8. Eight and eight. We were 2-2 two and two the year before that, and we finished 11-5. and five. So... You know, all the all the predictors are not really, this isn't a good time to predict. No. They would have to run the table to get to the same win total as last year. Yeah. We'll see if they, if, yep. really, this game, we'll talk more about it in the football hour, but this game has a lot of importance. I don't think we can overstate the amount of importance. If they lose this game and you look at the rest of the NFC versus if they win it and now they're sort of you know back in the mix firmly. This game, this game was was altered in a huge way by by the Buffalo loss. Mm-hmm. If you beat but these first five games were tough. If you had taken care of business against Buffalo, I I think our expectation going into this game would be far different. But because you didn't, now it causes you to question this game, and it really and, and the problem too is you come out of this game, Phil, and you play the Cardinals and Jets, and ordinarily you'd be like, oh, cool, that's great. Yeah. Except you lost to Buffalo. Yep. Agreed. You wouldn't. Yeah, you definitely wouldn't feel great about losing to the Rams and the Eagles, even if you beat Buffalo. But like record-wise, you'd be able to have weathered the storm. Um, this weekend, it's, it's coming up tomorrow already. The Twin Cities Marathon weekend, and all week long, we've been catching up with our friend and president of Twin Cities in Motion, Mike Logan. What's going on, Mike? Starts tomorrow. 
Hey, Phil. Hey, Judd. It does. Uh, speaking of running, how about that pass rush? Isn't that the issue? I feel like the football hour has already started. Oh, that's no, okay. Fire away. Go, you know go right ahead. Honestly, we can turn this into a vent line if you want. Yeah, Rant we'll away. Get we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> but, yes, it, it's Marathon Weekend. Uh, we're very excited. You know, really kicks off in earnest tomorrow. Uh, with our expo events, uh, you know, hundred plus vendors, press conference events, speakers, panelists. So, we're we're on the clock. What kind of merch? Uh, if people are looking for merchandise starting tomorrow, what kind of merch can people get their hands on? All manner of things. A uh, lot of running stores, certainly nutrition shops. So everything from shoes, apparel. <laughs> Uh, accessories, but really anything having to do with running or physical fitness, you'll find at the expo. Did, did I also see this correct that if I want, I, I can get a haircut because my hair is getting a little bit shaggy these days? Well, I don't have any, but if I did, uh, yes, Great Clips is giving away free haircuts and they're donating all of the money uh, that they would otherwise uh, charge to Girls on the Run. So for every haircut, Girls on the Run receives the proceeds. Hey, where are we at with uh, volunteers? You, should, we, should we put out the, the bat signal here for volunteers too? You know, we're, we're looking pretty good, actually. Much uh, appreciated for, for all the notice on that. But uh, you can still sign up at tcmevents.org slash volunteer if you're interested in helping us. Uh, we still need course marshals. Okay. Right on. Uh, what are you most excited for this week? Does, does the marathon itself excite you the most, or what, what's, what, what do you most look forward to, Mike? You know, the, the two things I love the most about Marathon Weekend, other than dry weather, um, are the the finishers that come in not at two hours or three hours, but those that arrive around six hours that have just been battling to get to the end of 26.2. I love that. Um, but the other thing I really love is watching the toddlers and the, the young kids on Saturday, you know, just run around and have a blast with the various mascots we have at those events, too. Yeah. So it's the, it's the slow and the young. Those are my favorites. Hey, random question for you. Who, do, do you have any idea off the top of your head the oldest marathon participant that you've encountered and how old i don't know off the top of my head but i want to say 80s wow i want to say 80s we've we've had people sid? who have run yeah, was it, yeah, was it sid harman <laughs> did sid run <laughs> what did he was he carrying his let microphone me, let me recorder? tell you something let me tell you i'll be looking for him this year yeah <laughs> Um, all right, so all the details at uh, at the website, tcmevents.org, and uh, the, the festivities start tomorrow. Marathon weekend starts tomorrow. The expo opens at 11 o'clock at St. Paul River Center and runs through Saturday. So we'll catch up again tomorrow, Mike. Thanks. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. All right, that's Have a great one. Mike Good Logan, job. Twin Cities in Motion president. How does it make you feel, guys, that 80-year-olds are out there running marathons and here we sit, just stuffing our faces Candidly, watching football. Not surprised. <laughs> not surprised one bit. Not ashamed. No, no, no. Are you kidding? I do a lot of things well. Declan, you look like you might run. I was You're a good in pretty sprinter. Good shape. I was a good sprinter back in the day. I ran the four hundred. In high school or what? Yeah, in middle school and high school. I, I gave it up after sixteen. The uh, fun effects of being in high school caught up to me, and I, I wasn't. A, You're still too thin, to though. It. Oh yeah. I, my metabolism has been working for 25 years, and one day it'll go away. But until then, I'm, this figure, oh. man, is, is awesome. Just wait until the, it does. Uh, the, Mike, the Michael Phelps 10,000-calorie diet. Just, That's right. <laughs> just carbs on out. carbs on carbs. Yep. The football hour is on the horizon here. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, di- we'll, we'll discuss with Matthew Collar just the, sort of the dire nature of this game here for the Vikings. And, okay, if, if they lose, is that kind of a wrap? I mean, I, 
obviously they'd have to do a lot of legwork to uh, make up for it. But we'll talk about that. We'll get to Tom Pelissero as well. And we'll wrap with Royce later on in about an hour. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN.